back to another episode of Well-Lit Paths. In Psalm 40, David moves from patience to sacrifice versus obedience to acknowledging his need for the Lord's deliverance and blessing. But first, how's your week? Ah, patience. It's something I know we all struggle with. And before you start to say, oh no, Tom, I, I, I don't really struggle with patience. Remember that the next time you're sitting in traffic, waiting at the doctor's office, or the preacher's sermon goes a little over time. Patience is hard. This is one reason why Amazon's been so successful. Same day delivery? Yes, please. We are an instant gratification society. Christian to heathen, whatever we want or need, we want it as quickly as humanly possible. And this bleeds over into our lives as Christians, too. I'd like to mature more quickly. I'd like to gain spiritual knowledge and wisdom more quickly. I would like to serve God in this specific capacity right now. We all want to run before we crawl or walk, and some of us are so impatient in our Christian growth that it seems we want to drive even before we run. Well, here's the thing. God doesn't make us fully mature Christians at the moment of salvation. He doesn't immediately remove all of those sinful desires. Our flesh doesn't immediately change. At salvation, he begins to work in us progressive sanctification. You know, it's estimated that David waited anywhere from 10 to 15 years from the time that he was anointed until he became king. That's a long time to wait for God to grow you into what he intends for you. What do you think David would say if we went back and asked him if it was worth it? Psalm 40, beginning in verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he hath put a song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. The sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire, mine, mine ears hast thou opened. Burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. I've preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I've not refrained my lips. O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I've declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. 
Withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. For innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me so that I'm not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of mine head. Therefore, my heart faileth me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and confounded together that seek after my soul to destroy it. Let them be driven backward and put to shame that wish me evil. Let them be desolate for a reward of their shame that say unto me, Aha, aha. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tarrying, O my God. You know, our pastor always says it takes a long time to grow a Christian. Isn't that true? From our birth into the family of God, saved from sin and set free to be who we were meant to be in Christ, God grows us, nurtures us, and gives us exact guidance on who he has called us to be. While others much wiser than I have broken this psalm down into its every theological application, you know, what God has shown me this week in this psalm is the story of our growth as baby Christians. David wasn't king in a day. David went from playing for Saul in the palace when Saul's anger got the best of him to hiding out in a cave, on the run with his friends and fellow soldiers, exiled from his home. From his anointing, David went through many ups and downs, victories and defeats, trials and triumphs. And so goes our Christian life. In the lows, in the downs, the defeats, the trials, David counsels us. God says to us, wait patiently on him. This world clings to us. Like dirt and clay, there are certain things we'll never wash off. Our sin is with us always here on earth because our flesh is always with us. And while we can have victory over it, we'll not be rid of it until death or rapture take us home. Some days, it may seem like we're drowning. In the worst way, it may not seem like we're drowning in water, but like we're being sucked into the quicksand. Every move we make to break free, our flesh pulls us deeper. What about you? Have you had those seasons in life? I know I have. In those seasons, those days, those moments, it's like, Lord, I I can't today. My flesh has worn me down. I haven't been in your word. I haven't drawn close to you. I haven't prayed until now. I feel it, Lord. I feel it pulling at me. And I know I'm yours, but I feel like I've disappointed you. 
I feel like I've let you down. Now, our problem is when we feel this way, we don't cry out. We make ourselves believe that we've gotten ourselves into this problem. We need to get ourselves out of it. That we somehow put ourselves here. And while we may have put ourselves there to some extent, we don't have to pull ourselves up by our proverbial bootstraps. No. There in the mire, as your flesh pulls at you, desiring to defeat you, raise one hand to your God. Let's call out to our Father. Because it may feel like we've been there forever. David even said he waited patiently on the Lord. And there in the mire, as it rises all around us, it feels like we're the ones waiting. When in fact, he's been waiting for us to call to him the whole time. And just like he helped David, he helps us. With his strong hand, he reaches into our trial and he pulls us to him. He sets our feet on a rock. He wipes away the mire. He cleans the day from us, the guilt, the shame, the grief of the season. He takes that from us. And once he gets us on the solid ground, he sets us back down the path of safety. He gently says, hey, listen, if you follow this path, you'll deal with this less. If you follow this path, you can be free of this sin. And he puts a new song in our heart. You know, music was not the creation of man. God speaks in his word of giving music to the angels, to mankind. I believe music and song were around before man's lips ever uttered a lyric. Now, I, I believe it's also been corrupted by mankind and by the devil, but that is a different podcast. Music was meant to lift our hearts to God, to proclaim his glory to lavish praise upon him and stir our emotions, to stand in wonder, love, and awe of a God who would so love us so perfectly. You know, there's a, there's a song from years ago that has a lyric that fits here. It goes, I'm imperfect, but sanctified. Despite all my sins, he sees me justified. Since my washing in Christ's blood... No force or power of man can separate me from his love. I was dirty. He made me clean. No longer lost in darkness since I've been redeemed. Raised to life from a dark tomb. And in his father's house, he's making me a room. Gone are all my sorrows when he stands by my side. My spirit, he has quickened. Dry bones start to rise. Eternal salvation through the blood of Christ, the hope of resurrection, the promise of eternal life. And the course goes, I'm in his hands, and there he keeps me safe. And his hands are in his father's hands, so I'm not afraid. 
When I stumble, when I fall, he picks me up and dusts me off. Says, I've paid the price for all of your mistakes. Man, how it lifts our spirits when our Lord has set us on the rock. The song that we sing when he delivers us. You know, there's nothing that'll set me into a lyric or a songwriting frenzy like a victory from God in my life, like coming through a trial in my life. And every time we go through it, the deliverance, the song is new. Because each deliverance isn't the same as any other. Each new deliverance seems to eclipse the last. It's like each time he delivers on his promises, we're shocked and amazed. Or at least we should be. Wait, you still love me, Lord? After that? Wait, You'll still rescue me from myself? After the tenth time I've fallen into that pit, you still walk over and pull me out? We can't disappoint him. Everything we do, he not only expects that we're going to do it because of our sin nature, he knows we will. You know, we seem to approach our sin like it's a revelation to God sometimes. Like the moment we commit a sin caught God just as much by surprise as it did us. God sees it coming. He saw it happen before we did, quite literally. He saw it before we were born. He saw what we were going to do yesterday. He saw what we'll be thinking tomorrow. And he loves us anyway. He answers our call anyway. This is why he alone deserves our trust. This is why he deserves all of our love and respect. The world, our flesh, it'll continually appeal to our pride and our shame at the same time. It'll lie to us. And sometimes it's easier to trust the truth that we are wretched and unlovable by our own standards than the truth that God redeemed us made us new. He's clothed us in his righteousness, not ours. And it had to be his righteousness because ours would never do. Yet in our pride, we think we somehow tarnish his righteousness when we sin. His righteousness can't be tarnished and it's only in his righteousness that we can trust. We were saved once and for all, praise God. Why would we listen to the lies our flesh wants to tell us? The most wonderful work our Lord has done is that he sent his only begotten son to live in these earthly bodies. To walk in the dirt we walk in. To experience hunger, experience thirst. Yet while his body got dirty from the road and while his clothes were soiled from the rain and the mud, his righteousness failed not. His godness was not compromised. He lived among us, but he wasn't one of us. 
He dealt with the same temptations, so he knows how easy they would have been to give into. More than anyone else can, he gets it. He gets how easy it, it is to give in, to allow yourself to be overrun. Because he was God, he was strong enough to resist. Because he was God, he could live in a sinful body and remain sinless. Because he is God, he alone can fulfill the requirement of a pure, sinless sacrifice. Where we failed, he did not. And while that's applicable to us when we trust his sacrifice for all sal our salvation, it's also applicable when we look to him and cry out in our failures. Those are the same failures he already paid for. He doesn't need us to be perfect for him. He was perfect for us. He doesn't need us to sacrifice to keep a certain set of rules to keep our salvation. He keeps our salvation. All he wants from us is our obedience. More than that, he wants our obedience to be the outpouring of what's in our hearts. He wants our hearts. How he gets our hearts is first when we trust him as our Savior. Next, it's how we learn to grow in him, how we read and study his word, how we let the Holy Spirit guide our steps using his word as our map. Our hearts reach for him when we cry out to him before we fall into the mire. But also in recognizing we're in the mire in those moments when we do fall in, we also hold our hearts up to him. He's growing us. What we might not have seen as dirt and sin before, now we do see it, and we know that we need rescued from it. And there he is, making us to recognize that we're less like him so he can make us more like him. And the more we are like him, the more his blessings become evident to us, not just that they're happening, but how many. I mean, can you count the blessings God has given in your life? Can we count how much his love means to us? Can we count the times we've run back to him and still found him there? When our marriage was struggling? When our job was taken from us or we needed a new one? When our children turned their back on him, did he leave us alone because they walked away from him? Or did he come to us as an ever-present comfort? What about when we make a mistake with our finances? What about when we turned our back on him? When we made a decision on our own without him? Did he not bless you still? Did he not love you still? Is he not with us in these times? Can we count on his presence? Can we count his blessings? And when we think about his blessings, have we told anyone about it? Does it show up in our lives? Do we delight in doing his will? 
I mean, really delight, not not the delight that we tell each other. You know, what? what's our first thought on Sunday morning? Is it delight? Do we work to prepare our hearts before every service? Do we hit our knees in preparation for every visit to church and ask for the following? God, open my ears to your word. Help me to worship in how I listen, not just in showing up. Teach me more about you today, Lord. Teach me something new about you that I hadn't seen before. God, give your preacher power from the Holy Spirit today. Allow him to be filled and to deliver with authority and love the message you've laid on his heart. Lord, protect him and his family this morning. Keep the devil at bay as they get ready for church. Lord, help me be a blessing to other members at church today. Help me to let your love be known through me. Give me the courage and the caring to greet everyone I can and to tell them I love them. Lord, bless your word today as it goes out. Let it land on the heart of one of your children that need it. Lord, work in the lives of the membership and the visitors. Draw us closer to you and to each other. Lord, help us really worship today in everything that goes on in your house, the teaching, the singing, the preaching, the prayer, the fellowship. And Lord, would you save someone today? Here at this church or at a church in this town, a church in this city, a church in this county, this state, this country, Lord, work as only you can and draw someone to you today. You know, I pray that I could remember this and pray this every Sunday, every Wednesday. And I strive to, but I fail. I don't do it all the time. But if more of us were praying this way, maybe when one of us or a few of us failed to pray like this before we meet, the prayers of those that did remember to would shore up the lack of a few prayers. But man, would to God we could all pray like this. And I pray that you would do this for your church wherever you are. Because make no mistake, everything is out to make us stumble, to make us fail. To mess up our morning or week so much that we show up to Sunday, we show up to our personal Bible reading, we show up to prepare and study for our podcasts, not prepared to be blessed, to be drawn closer to Him. The, evil surrounding, the evils surrounding us are innumerable. Count the times you were tempted yesterday by your own flesh. Well, no, wait, don't. That's not really the right place to dwell. Count how many times he delivered you from those temptations yesterday. Could you begin to count the sins, the iniquities? I know I can't. And let that sink in. 
I can't possibly begin to count all the times that I've sinned. From the time I was born until I began to sin, and trust me, that didn't take long, to my toddler years, my pre-adolescent and adolescent years, every rebellion in my teens and early 20s, every sin of every day of my life, from my 30s all the way through the last five minutes. We're surrounded. And they call out to us. Our flesh yearns for them. They get a hold of us sometimes and we can't look up and we feel like we can't look to him. And when was the last time that we were crushed by how sinful we are? When was the last time that we stood in awe and wonder of the fact that he's forgiven all of the things we can think of and the things we can't? And yet, if we were the only human being that were to have ever lived, if ours was the only debt that needed to be paid, Jesus would have still gone to the cross and died for us. We would have cried, crucify him. We would have spat on him. We would have struck the cat of nine tails across his back, ripping flesh and sinew from his body. We would have mocked him, punched him, plucked his beard. We would have jeered at him as he walked down the road to Golgotha. We would have pushed him up the hill. We would have dropped the cross onto the ground with the resounding wooden crack. We would have told him to lay down. It would have been our hands that reached for the nails. We would have pounded them into his hands and his feet. We would have laughed when he didn't fight, when he didn't make a sound. We would have raised the cross up and set it into the hole in the ground with a sickening thud, listening as the weight of his body lurched onto his hands and feet with a gut-wrenching twist and a fleshy crunch. We would have. We did. Just as sure as he died for us, we put him on that cross. And just as sure as our sin put him there, at the same time, no one put him there. It was his plan. In John 10, 17 and 18, Christ says, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down and have the power to take it again. This commandment have I received from my Father. And it was the multitude of our iniquities that put him there. And while we can't even count our own iniquities, he paid the price for all sin, for everyone, for all time. Knowing that not everyone would accept the payment, he paid for all of them anyway. His blood sufficient to cover all sin, efficient to those that believe and call on his name. And while a single drop would have been enough to pay for it all, he soaked that wooden cross in his blood. The blood of our God. The blood of our Savior.
and he hastened to deliver us. He didn't stall when it was time to lay down his life, and he doesn't delay when we cry out to him in our time of need. In 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul writes, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Paul's saying if he was faithful to save us, which he was and he is, then he'll also be faithful in our sanctification, our progressive making of us who are sinful and wretched into his image, pure and righteous. And every time those that want to mock Christianity, every time someone who doesn't believe wants to point to our failures, how our God couldn't be the, that great if he couldn't keep us from sinning, keep us from going through trials, every time they speak against our walk and our God, those people will find shame in the end. One day they'll also bow their knee to the one who bled and died for them, acknowledging his majesty, but only too late. He'll get all the glory for his sacrifice from all people, but it'll be too late for some. And yet his glory won't be diminished. He will remain and he remains high and lifted up. He remains El Elohim, God most high. And if nothing else does, this should make us rejoice. This should make us to praise him even more. This should cause us to call out to him more readily. It should cause us to say continually, Lord, be magnified. Be magnified in my life. Be magnified in my speech. Be magnified in my attitude. Be magnified in the joy you give that I show. Be magnified when I run to you in trouble. Be magnified when you rescue me again and again. Be magnified when you deliver on your promises to me over and over. Be magnified when your love is apparent to those around me. Because, Lord, if we don't magnify your name, the rocks would cry out. Our song should be, I won't let the rocks cry out. I'll shout it from the mountaintops. Let everything I am reveal the glory of how great you are. I won't let a breath go by and miss the chance to lift you high. Let everything I am declare the story of how great you are. We are so poor and needy. We can't grow on our own. We can't lift ourselves out of the mire. We can't do it by ourselves. We can't follow him without his guidance. We can't do it on our own, which is why he calls us to lean on his power, to lean on his might, to give him our hearts. Where our heart is, there will our treasures be also. If our treasures are found in his word and time spent with him in prayer with to him, if our treasures are in his worship, in fellowship with his children, with his churches, if our treasures are in the things he delights in, then our hearts 
are where they should be in his hands. There's none other that can help, none other that can deliver, none other that can grow us like he can. If we want exponential growth in our Christian lives, we need to start spending some quality time with our Heavenly Father. Progress won't be immediate, and there isn't a magic number of hours we need to spend with Him to achieve maturity. Paul says in Philippians 3, it's not like I've already arrived at the goal. I haven't matured completely, but I chase after it. I pursue it because Christ pursued me. And though I haven't achieved maturity yet, I work toward it in this way. I try to forget the things of the past and instead look forward to what Christ has yet for me to be victorious in. I run toward the goal, but the present reward is the calling we have in Christ. The growth is in the journey. It takes time to grow Christian. Thanks for walking with me a while as we read the word together. Won't you join me again next week? And we'll walk just a little further. If you like the podcast, go ahead and hit that follow button. If you have any questions about salvation or general podcast questions, uh, reach out to us via email at podcast at lakeworthbaptist.org. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram and Facebook by looking for LWBC underscore publications.